Michaela Pogner, Associate Editor of Precision Farming Dealer. Welcome to the latest episode of the Precision Farming Dealer podcast. New episodes of this series are available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. Today, I'm talking with Andreas Reichart and Jamie Paquin of Reichart Electronic Innovations, which is celebrating 15 years of pioneering precision agriculture in North America. Andreas began working on precision products to make farming easier in 1985, and he went on to develop the PSR steering system, one of the first retrofit auto steering systems in 1998. In the years that followed, Reichart continued to expand its retrofit and OEM precision products, including through the establishment of a North American subsidiary in 2006. The company believes optimizing profits and resources starts in the cab, and networking implements and vehicles for precise applications is the future of agriculture. In this episode of the Precision Farming Dealer podcast, Andreas and Jamie discuss the past and future of precision agriculture, recent trends in the market, and their predictions for the biggest opportunities for dealers in the next 24 months. I thought we could start if you could just share a little background about yourselves, your role, your company, and your products. Okay, thank you very much. So my name is Andreas Reichert. I was born on a farm in Germany and I'm still living on the farm and uh, very early in my life. I came in uh, contact with electronic solutions and very, very early, that was early 80s, I started the first, uh, let's say, helpful, neat things to develop to make farming a little bit easier. Later on, I graduated on university in Göttingen. And my goal always was to run the farm, but the situation with the electronic in farming has changed the role a little bit. So the farm is still running. So I run the farm in a corporation, but our core business up today is uh, to help farmers and the farm industry to create more benefit out of all the possibilities within this electronic area. My name is Jamie Paquin, and I joined uh, the Reichart organization in 2010. The time has went by quickly. I'm a, a Minnesota native, and I uh, spent my summers on our family farm in uh, central Minnesota um, doing row crop, and uh, then went on to um, Moorhead State University in Moorhead, Minnesota, and got my degree in business management, and that's the skill set that I brought to the record organization after uh, working in, in the business world for 17 years. So um, it's just been a fun adventure for the last 12-plus um, years working with Andreas. <laughs> I bet there have been so many changes and Reichardt is celebrating its 15-year anniversary this year and congratulations first of all and I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about the origins um, how you came up with this company and how it's evolved over the past 15 years. It was in 2003 I got an invitation to come to the Red River Valley, and uh, I was very, very impressed with the agriculture structure 
in the US, especially in the Valley, which is so totally different to what we have here in, in most parts of Germany. So we have a very little structure, small farms, very different technologies and things like that. And what I saw was a very high developed, very technical. And this 2003 was kind of a ignition in friendship with farmers and learning about the area, about farming. So this was the starting point in 2003 where we found there might be some need for kind of steering system and other electronic solutions in the U.S. In 2006, we found it together with friends, uh, the incorporation in, in the Fargo area. So, but the first, the first time it was more or less just learning about the culture, learning about the farmers, about the needs, about the technology. During my career, I started 85 or so to get in contact with electronic devices. And my goal always was to make farming easier. And so in, in this case, we started in uh, early 90s to develop auto-steer systems in Germany based on, for example, I think our first business was with sugar beet, self-propelled sugar beet harvesters in Europe. Uh, we supported two companies with um, uh, sense uh, steering devices. And when I visited the valley and I saw the huge field, so one mile past things like that, straight lines, I thought, wow, this is something which which the colleagues in the valley may need. And this was the first starting point for, for us to implement ROSENS uh, systems on tractors to support maybe soybeans, spraying, uh, combine, um, corn harvest, and they also were used for sugar beet harvest to pull the pull type sugar beet uh, lifters, things like that. Why did you decide to focus on automating steering as the the issue that you were going to go after and solve? Ooh, that's a good question. I just was fascinating that uh, uh, multi-ton equipment can be steered automatically through a field. And uh, we always could do that by hand and we had a lot of discussions in the field why uh, a machine should be steered automatically instead of doing it manually. And uh, so I had a lot of work to, to convince the users to use the auto steer system during that time. So the argument always was, I can do it much better, but within the time, the, the benefit really could be felt, you could see it. So in, in less uh, fertilizer, less uh, time, uh, more accurate, uh, more beneficial, things like that. Sure, that would be a pretty convincing argument for anybody yeah. to try it out at least. And then between now and then, do you? how has the opinion from farmers and growers changed when it comes to auto steer? Well, I think the the business in general has changed during that time. The suppliers for technology in the egg business, they also started pretty much the same time uh, to create 
very similar systems. And so the whole market worldwide has started to change. And the farmers really realized the benefit of electronic devices. And that was not only August year, but mainly during that time. And as soon as the big companies stepped into this area, even our business was pushed a little bit. And, and uh, but we had a, kind of a specialty so the the other companies focused mainly on gnss based systems in in the beginning and we started out with we call it a local positioning system means we we orient, orientated on the basic row and the reason for that was in the early times even the planting was not done with gnss Everything was done manually, and then, for example, a, a sprayer or a, a spreader or a harvester needs to be guided manually through that cricket rose. And this was challenging, so there was really a need to guide, to, to have some kind of an auto guide system to make it easier and more accurate to um, follow these, these rows. Where do you see? the farming industry going in terms of how it's going to continue to evolve in the next 15, 20, even beyond that years? What I see in the future, the, the basic problem is we need to make things easier. Farming is a really, really hard job. Um, farm business is a very, is a business where you, you cannot fail. If you fail, the worldwide market is so close, then you fail at all. So it means you, you have to organize your farm. The farms are pretty big at the moment, so they're growing more and more. You have um, multiple types of equipment. You have a lot of um, people to work with, and you need to be extremely efficient. And farming switches in a big portion of it, it switches from the problem that you have to ride a tractor into to organize a huge organization. And this all is possible, but only with the uh, fitting electronic devices. So you need all these little helpers within your tractor, within your implement. You need to calculate your daily business, you need to run your farm while you are running your tractor. And uh, so the connection between tractor, implement, farm management system, system uh, the manufacturers, the growers, uh, the chemical industry, and especially the market. This is what the electronic connection and the electronic opens up at the moment. And this is what will change dramatically within the next years so that you really can run and operate a huge farm while you're sitting not in your room at home, but sitting on the tractor and you're doing something really uh, helpful, but you can operate parallel a whole farm. You can manage everything during the same time. And uh, so I think this will change. It, it already has started, 
but this change will uh, will be much more dramatically within the next uh, 10 15 years what i think it's interesting to note is is just the changes that i've seen in the 10 plus years that i've been directly in the business and uh, the adoption of the technology is becoming more accepted by the growers for the simple reason that the return on investment is is real and when i started in the business the first question i would ask a grower is why do you need this what does this technology do for you and why is it required we didn't have this technology when i was growing up on the farm at all and surprisingly to me at the time over 10 years ago already there was a a shortage of labor a shortage of skilled operators um, you could not just uh, you could could not find somebody that grew up on a farm and was familiar with the equipment or familiar with the processes, and that's where I always say that we're a market-driven company, and uh, we're going to satisfy the demands and the needs of the grower, and those demands and needs were for the steering portion of it. So that was that was fascinating to my to me when what the need was for the product and the evolution that i've seen just in the 10 years is um where a lot of the manufacturers 10 years ago were proprietary for their systems they wanted you to have their system and that was it and even in a short period of time that's evolved to more of an open architecture mm-hmm. and so we always use the the saying that um your equipment, your choice, meaning you can have a mixed fleet um, and you can use the technology that you you choose and you can choose the color of the machine that you want. So looking forward, I think you're going to see the the open architecture continue to be relevant and continue to expand to Andreas's point, uh, growers, individuals, farm managers, the demand on them is is intense, and if they have, if they can have um, that open architecture, it's going to allow them to be more efficient and just simp- make it easier. Ultimately, especially this open architecture is one of the key functionalities which has been developed during the last thirty years and enters the market more and more. And this is in the egg. Area it's basically isobus, which allows us today really to operate mixed mixed fleets high efficiently. There are still some gaps to to uh, come over, but the direction is correct. So it's pretty much same as is if we would have a uh, Ethernet connection, but everybody has a different plug, then it won't work. But the World Wide Web is, is working really, really well. And in agriculture technology, this ISOBUS is one of these steps they implemented and which is continuously developed. And we are in a high, in an area where it, where it is um, really, really working well. And this is basically the future because the farmer needs to make his own decision what color what equipment he is using when and where it's his decision and only his decision and therefore there is a high demand on those 
let's say, let's say open architecture, things like ISOPAS. And the another step we're hard working on right now is to fulfill the, the next step, not only from tractor to implement, but from tractor, tractor implement to the office, back to an, a bigger organization, back and forth to the equipment manufacturer and to your service. And uh, so, and, and we are, um, our idea at the moment is to do another step and implement um, uh, consumer technology to add that to the egg chain that you really can benefit from the extremely fast technology development in the consumer area like cell phones, tablets, computers, and really use it beneficial in the farm. Hi, it's Michaela again. I'd like to invite you to join me and the rest of the Precision Farming Dealer team for the next Precision Farming Dealer Summit. This two-day event brings together the top precision farming equipment dealerships from around North America for a mix of general sessions featuring top industry experts, profit-boosting dealer-to-dealer panels, and highly interactive roundtable discussions. Register today at precisionfarmingdealer.com to join the brightest minds in precision farming. You'll leave with a roadmap for implementing ideas and technologies for precision farming, retailing, and servicing success. Hope to see you there. Now let's get back to the conversation with Andreas Reichardt and Jamie Paquin as they discuss current trends in precision farming and how dealers can position themselves to take advantage of emerging opportunities. What do you think technology is missing for us to get to that next step where everything is really organized and people can be running in the entire farming business remotely? Well, in general, the technology is available. Where we have to work on is to combine things a little better. So to open up that or to find additional um, rules to have the machines communicating with the internet, which are common. So means there all solutions, if you if you look at them individually, everybody has something, but they do not work together overall. ISOBUS is one area, but this is at the moment still located in within the machine. It's a hardwired connection. But what we need now is maybe is an international open kind of Wi-Fi connection. So just a wireless connection and international standards to transfer data forth and back. And it also may be helpful to have them implemented some rules, uh, <coughs> privacy rules, things like that within that area. And then we can really benefit from that high speed development within that consumer technology area. So we have, for example, every three months, there is a new cell phone in the market with which is double as powerful as three months before. And why shouldn't the farmers benefit exactly from this development? And this is where we see our next developments and steps. And what 
also comes with these, let's say, uh, uh, connections between machines, office, and other things is, is um, what you see everywhere in the market is, is robotics and, and uh, uh, autonomous machines. The only possibility to, to organize that is really to get them connected to each other, where always the farmer has the possibility to see everything, to manage everything, and uh, to connect everything and exchange data. And talking a little bit more about the near future now, what trends are you guys seeing for the next year? And how are you addressing those trends as a company? So at the moment, we're really fascinated of the ideas and we have really help from the big manufacturers at that point that uh, mixed fleets are real and possible so that the farmer really can make his choice on his equipment and by same time he also can make his choice in his let's say management equipment so he can mix red and green and blue and yellow and it's only up on him and we see a future it is real in our portfolio that we can combine those mixed fleets with a portion of our uh, uh, equipment portfolio we, we offer into the market. This is what we really have, what we really develop more and more every every uh, year um, to give the farmer much more flexibility um, to, to make his choice. In the short term, you're asking what do, you know what do we see and what do I see from the in the North American market, which is essentially the global market we're, we're a small, it's a small world as we, as we hear often, and it truly is. So um, as you report, Michaela, and your Lesseter reports um, almost daily, there's an acquisition taking place of a bigger company buying a smaller company. And I think you can see that coming, you know, more than a few years ago. And it's, it's, it has sped up and it's, um, it's, uh, it's just a reality of the, of the industry right now and not just it's not limited to just the egg industry it's across the board with everything that's happening with the economy um that's going to continue the acquisitions and what's going to be the biggest challenge is no surprise the supply chain in the next 12 and 24 months it's it's absolutely going to be challenged so we're uh, fortunately we're still a relationship world and a relationship industry, and that's going to be the key to the the key to success in my mind, and has been the key to our success um, throughout the years. And by that relationship, having those relationships is going to help um, find solutions to those supply chains. So the customers need solutions. Dealers and OEMs need to identify what solutions they can provide, and then they have to focus on them. Um, so in the short term, it's the, the way to get through this next 12 to 24 months is to have strength in those relationships, the relationships we have with our dealers um, and with our OEMs um, so that we can work out and, and adjust as, as needed. What do you see as the biggest opportunity for dealers in the next 24 months? 
So the biggest opportunity specifically for the, for our dealers in, in the U S and uh, is to grow their market share um, by selling some of the unique products that we have. Andreas talked early on about the sensor guidance and our PSR TAC, and TAC is short for tactile roll guidance, um, is absolutely designed specifically to follow the, the corn roll, where the corn came out of the ground. It's not dependent on GPS. And with the corn market, as strong as it is right now, we're going to see more corn acres going in. Um, we're, we're holding steady. And with that volume of acres that are going in, it's imperative that it's harvested efficiently and they optimize the yield, um, optimize the what's been growing and get it into the bin. And that's just simply put, that's what one of our products, what the PSR TAC Real Guidance product does. And so it, it truly is, this is biased and selfish, but that's an opportunity um, for those dealers to grow market shares by adapting that product. I know the global chip shortage has been a, a big topic people are talking about over the past year or so. Is that something that's affected your company? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, since, let's say, six, seven months, we really feel it. So we have to make uh, long-term contracts. So at the moment, we have components where the lead term is more than 50 weeks uh, and still unstable. So, Jamie, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, that's really a, it's it's really hard at the moment. But they're always because of the re close relationships we have to suppliers, to customers, uh, and to other companies within Europe and the U.S. There is always, in most cases, there is a way to overcome. Uh, a small shortage, but in in the long run, I think within the next six months there will no come up. It, it will not become much much better. But till I would say end of spring next year, we hope that uh, the market will change a little bit. What we see here, and I think in the U.S., pretty much same is that um, production will be. Uh, uh, started in the countries so let's say back to the roots or coming home so this is uh, a philosophy we work with very closely it's really a high demand to work together as Jamie already mentioned with the customers with the dealers with the suppliers in the area this is our uh, our goal at the moment, we're successful, but we still have some gaps. Of course, we have. And you talked about managing and leveraging the relationships you have to get through this shortage. Do you have advice for dealers about how they can do the same as they're encountering shortages as well? Well, I think one of the best strategies is and i think this is what amy already is doing is to have a very close communication chain so we have to openly discuss those situations quite often 
And what we also realized, there are always chances if you talk, you find a different solution. We can maybe move material from A to B. We can exchange things. Shortage here is an overstock here. Things like that. But the, the first thing is to keep contact with the farmers, with the dealers, a close contact, frequently uh, discussions for the situation. Many problems can be solved just by finding maybe alternatives. And there's always an alternative. And this comes with a, with a friendly and good relationship. And this needs to be worked out. So you, there might be a request for a solution. The supply chain might might not not allow that exact solution to be available, but through discussion, an alternative can um, can satisfy the demand. And again, it's it's all about the relationship. Um, there could be a request for product A on date X, and through that relationship, you might find out that date X is not um, is not in fact when it's needed, and there can be adjustments made. So. The, the point is, it's, it's communication. It's communication, and that's how, as in, as in any business, that's how the dealers are going to get through this period. Right. I think we covered pretty much everything I wanted to talk about. Just wondering if there was any specific question you guys wanted to talk about that I haven't outrightly asked, or if there was anything else you wanted to add. I, I guess uh, what's important to me is uh, to recognize that we're only as good as our dealers. Our business model in North America is, is distribution and sales through our dealer channel. And then parallel to that, we support OEMs directly with products. But I have my group, my team, and I know Andreas agrees with this. We have a sincere gratitude for our dealers. And, um, that's how we sell to the grower. And that way we can stay small and efficient um, in size, but we can be effective because of those dealers. And so I just, that's really an important uh, point for me to stress the gratitude we have for the work that they're doing. We also have a strong development for solutions in the local market with Jamie's group and also together with the dealers and the farmers. Without their help, we wouldn't be where we are at the moment. So it means only with the dealers, with the farmers, we can create solutions. And in this, let's say, difficult times where we are at the moment, we may need to switch a little bit direction just because of an outage of whatever. So we need to find solutions. And this can be done always together with our group, our dealers and our farmers. And I think we are able to manage then, let's say a switch in technology because this is available, this is not available. So we have to make a turn, but we can offer a solution for our customers. And it sounds like you guys are being very proactive about that rather than reactive, which is, I'm sure, reassuring for your dealers and their customers. We like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> See, we are, we are a small organization and 
it's absolutely no problem for everybody to reach out to the to the gentlemen who make the decisions within our organization. And uh, so this is the recipe we work with and which really helped us to be where we are at the moment. So we are open for uh, ideas. And, uh, and by the way, it's also a whole lot of fun to work uh, in the field, not only in the office. <laughs> Andreas Reichart and Jamie Paquin for joining me for today's episode of the Precision Farming Dealer Podcast. Let me know what you thought about the conversation by emailing me at mpaukner at lessetermedia.com or giving me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest precision practices impacting your dealership by registering for a free PFD daily newsletter. Go to precisionfarmingdealer.com to sign up. I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2021 podcast series. From Reichardt Electronic Innovations and all of us here at Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Associate Editor Michaela Faulkner. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.